Father in heaven, we're so grateful to Thee that we can be here in Your house in this morning. Lord, we're thankful for the, the warmth of fellowship that we could experience. Thankful for the time we could spend yesterday together, um, fellowshipping and, and seeing some of our neighbors and friends that were able to join us, and just for the, the lovely time that we could have. Lord, it's, it's really a privilege that we probably too often take for granted and, and want to give Thee the thanks and praise for. Lord, that as a family of faith that we can gather and to know that Thy presence is, is with us as well. And Father, as we would look into Your Word in this day, we pray that Your Spirit would, would speak to us to each of our particular needs. And Lord, they're each different and uh, with aspects and probably corners and turns and things that are unique to each one of us, Father. But as even in all of that uniqueness, your, your word is constant and true and speaks to each one as it's needful for each of our hearts. And so, Father, we pray that as we would turn to it, that your spirit would be with us. Pray that you would continue with us in this day, and as we would be anticipating your blessings, Lord, we'll thank thee for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. I would ask you to turn with me to Psalm uh, 147. Psalm 147. This is a a psalm, obviously, toward the the end of the book, but kind of follows along with the theme of, of Psalm 146 and right through the end that talk about praising the Lord. Um, and they all start with that, that phrase, praise ye the Lord. And to be honest, I, I have to confess, I'm, I'm, I think like everybody, I'm always influenced by current events or things that have happened um, in the, the week previous. And as this, I knew I was preaching this morning, and as the week was unfolding, there were a number of things that were coming up in the news, and I thought, well, you know, I wonder how any of those things would dovetail their way into a message on Sunday. Um, but I will be honest that this, this passage had, had nothing to do with current events. This, this wasn't, you know, the queen passing was not in my thoughts as this opened up. Um, I'm ashamed to say as much as I am, and, and Ashley can testify of this, as much as I am somebody that goes down the, my, my phrase always, the, the rabbit hole of 9-11. Every time 9-11 comes around, I watch all the documentaries again. I get emotional. I get, you know, and this, I didn't realize it was 9-11 until I sat down this morning in, um, in the minister's office and my phone opened and the calendar said 9-11. I thought, wow, I don't know how, how is it now 21 years later, I, I didn't even, didn't, this wasn't on my radar And then I, I kind of chuckled with the kids that, you know, we're, some people are trying to go back to the moon and now we've got a rocket sitting on a launch pad for 20-something days and Mike still hasn't had a sermon about going to the moon or space or anything like that. It's, it's, something must be wrong. I opened, uh, I opened my Bible this morning and this was the, one of the verses in 147 was the verse for the day in, in my devotional. And so... We'll read through it. It's not to say that there won't be certain things of current events that would pop in, but I'll give you an insight. 
Yesterday, I was sitting at a park bench watching Ellie play uh, her game, and, and Ethan and Max were sitting behind me. And there's a little boy that's on, on their team that's, that's six, and he was sitting in between them. Okay, Max, Ethan says he's five. He's going to be six on October 10th. And the boys were telling him how some of their other friends were coming to the picnic that we were having this afternoon. And they didn't quite invite him to the picnic, which I think we'll have to talk about later, but they told him that their other friends are coming to the picnic. And it's at church. And this little guy said, I don't even know how he got there, but his first words were, I got to get baptized. And I asked Ethan, because I, I mean, Ashley and I are both sitting there and we're trying not to, I mean, you just want this to unfold. I didn't really want to influence this too much. I got to get baptized. And I think it was Max said, why do you, you want to get baptized? And he said, because Jesus died for our sins and I love Jesus. And... I don't remember which one of the boys. I think, and I, guys can correct me, I think it was Max that said, well, why do you love Jesus? And he said, because we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for Jesus, or something along those lines. Is that pretty close, Max? No? What did he say? Ashley can correct me. Anyway. Okay, I'll repeat that. Max says, do you want to be baptized because you love Jesus and you want to love him more? And he didn't Trent say, I wasn't going to say what the boy's name was. Didn't he say that we wouldn't even be here without him? I think Ethan kind of confirmed that for me. This is why daddy's not a very good storyteller. In any case, this little interaction that's happening behind me, I'm not seeing faces I know his mom and dad are just off to the side. I'm not sure what they were. And I know a little bit about the family situation. Wasn't, I, I was shocked that this was something that came out. But the fact that this little conversation happened, and when, he, when the little boy said, we wouldn't even be here without him. As I was reading these verses this morning, it just struck me the, the innocence, but also the gravity of what that that little phrase or that little conversation uh, revealed to me. And so, stumbling as I am, let's, let's read from Psalm 147. It says, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken heart, and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifted up the meek, he casteth the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving, sing praise upon the harp unto our God. Who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon, grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beasts his food, and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. 
he taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, and those that hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. For he hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. He hath blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in the borders, and filleth thee with the finest of the wheat. He sendeth forth the commandment upon earth. His word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sendeth out his word and melteth them. He causeth his wind to blow, and the waters flow. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation, and as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. I've read the whole, the whole psalm. What struck me in reading this this morning was this, the, the thought that do I appreciate, do we appreciate the power of God? Do we appreciate the all-powerful nature of God and the way that his hand works in every aspect of our lives? I was reading, and we'll do this just as we go through individual verses here and kind of walk through the whole passage. But what struck me was when there are, when there are things that we encounter that are obstacles, or when we encounter things that are, are troublesome or fearful or we are in need of help and we're at the end of our rope, we very quickly, very easily turn all of that over to the Lord. When I've reached the end of my hoarded, sorted resources, I can't, hoarded? Hoarded. When I've reached the end of my, I want to make sure I'm getting the right, I'm not getting the story right, the words right. When I've reached the end of all of my resources, he giveth and giveth and giveth some more. But why, I believe that's a condition of this world. That's something that we've been taught I was sitting with a bunch of parents last night and we're, we're all talking about how we're trying to teach our kids to be self-sufficient. We're trying to teach them to be industrious and to try hard and to get good grades and to work to get good scholarships so that they can get into good schools, so that they can get good jobs, so that they can get good spouses. And, you know, we work, 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 and we rely upon ourselves to be self-sufficient and to be successful. And only when those things from outside, or that we view from outside, weigh upon us and war against us, do we realize that there's, we need to surrender our lives to the Lord? We need to give Him thanks and praise for the way that He has worked in our lives. And as I was reading this, the psalmist just does a beautiful job of pointing out how there is not one aspect of any step I take, any breath I take, that is not known by Him, that is not fully in His control. And just some of the things that, that as we read, they seem like simple phrases, but as I broke it down and was, as I was thinking about this this morning, um, some of them really struck me. And even in the context of some of these things that I alluded to with current events and, and, and stuff like that, um, 
The Lord doth build up... Well, I'll start right at the beginning. Praise ye the Lord, for he is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is comely, or praise is honorable or, or attractive. When we, when we praise God for his goodness, when we praise God for the works that he's done in our lives, for the, the grace that he's shown in our lives... Is that attractive to the world around us? It should be. But how often am I, how often am I frustrated with God? We, don't ask the question of yourself. Use, think about it in terms of looking at the lives of those around you sometimes. What are attractive witnesses and what are ones that you go, boy, that, that, that's really not... Is that really the, the witness that you want to have? Is that that dour, uh, dour face is not the right word, but discouragement is one thing, and being discouraged is natural, and, and that, that happens in our lives, but do we allow ourselves to stay there too long? Do we blame God for things? We all know folks that have blamed God for things. We've probably done it ourselves. Is that countenance? Is that witness something that is, is pleasant and is, is, and is comely or is, is attractive to the world around us? We always ask this question, you know, what is it that's going to draw folks to these doors? I think we're doing a better job lately of, of saying, I, I'm less concerned about what's going to draw people here, but what's going to draw people here. I, 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 that's a hard thing to say. That's a hard thing to feel. Um, but as much as we want folks to be a part of Sunday morning here, we need to make sure that our lives are pointing to every day in His Word, every day in His Spirit. And certainly that will draw folks to our doors, but the question is, is my life lived in a way that's going to be not that my life is attractive to them, but the Spirit's work in my life is attractive to them. It's, it's desirable. It's not desirable because, oh look, you did these things and, and the kids are turning out okay. Certainly, that's a blessing. We're thankful when we can have blessings like that. But it's not because of something that mom and dad do. It's something, because, something that God has done because of His grace for, to us, toward us and our obedience toward Him. And so if we, if we can testify of that and, and sing of that and praise God for that and not that, well, they got up on time and they did their homework and they were botched enough to know good and bad and so on and so forth. It, if God is getting the praise and the glory for those things that He has done, it will be visible to the world around us and it will be pleasant and comely. It says that he doth build up Jerusalem. He hath gathered together all the outcasts of Israel. Interesting, we've been going through Isaiah, and Isaiah prophesies of, of the Israelites coming back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the wall and, and the story of Nehemiah. And here we have it in Psalms, this, that, that the Lord gathers together his people. His chosen people are gathered. Outcasts. Outcasts by society. I was reading a, 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 a verse or some, some commentaries on a verse that talks about folks that cast themselves out. 
We have folks in our society, in our own midst, sometimes in our own family, that cast themselves out. Mentally, emotionally, the things that sometimes we can't relate to, the things that we can't quite touch on, we can't, we're not given the understanding on how to help and minister to this particular thing. That's what God does. He's there to build them up, to gather them together, to draw them together. He healeth the broken hearts and bindeth up their wounds. For those spots where we don't understand and don't know how to do it. And even for the spots where we do know and we do understand, it's still God that is there to minister to those needs, to be a healer to those that are broken. He telleth, he healeth the broken hearts, he bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. I love this analogy where it talks about him healing individual hearts. And it's something that is so personal and so individual to each of us. And then he says, he numbers all the stars and knows them by name. At one point in history, 1600s, something like that, I think I didn't write down what the date was, 16-something, the number of the stars was 1,025. And they thought that was amazing. There were 1,025, did I say that? Yeah, 1,025 stars. Little story. Um, we, I grew up in the country, and I, care, I could have cared less about stars. I don't know when this fascination took place, but all of a sudden I started getting very fascinated with the moon and space. And When we went uh, camping two years ago, we were out at Sampson State Park, and there's right by our little campsite, there was an opening in a grove of trees. And at night, when you looked up, I said to Ash, I've never seen anything like this. It looked, I've never seen that many stars in my life. I'd probably never been in a place that was that dark and probably that flat. No ambient light anywhere. You know, I always thought in Arizona that'd be a good place to see them because it's so flat. And you can see forever, but there's so much ambient light, you can't see anything. But even on that night, if I think about what I saw, I can count to 1,025. And I prob that probably would have been all the ones I could count that night. They now say that there are a, million, or a billion trillion is the number that now scientists calculate. A billion trillion stars. How many stars are there? I don't, I don't care. It doesn't really matter. But the fact that God knows them all by name. At one point, you could buy a star. You could name it after somebody. I they advertised that on the radio. I actually, I actually know of a young man, a friend of mine, that bought a star for his fiance. You know him too. I'm not going to tell you who it was, though. Such a beautiful thing to name the star. But God knows each one of those by name. And the, the one that knows every one of them by name, don't you think he could know what my heart needs? And more importantly, when that one that knows every star by name says you ought to do this and you ought to do it now, should I not be obedient to that direction? 
When his spirit indwelling me says, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. And I go, no, 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 I I got it. it. It'll be fine. Am I obedient to the spirits working in my life that way? Am I obedient? Am I acknowledging and understanding and appreciating how great is our God? He lifts up the meek and casts down the wicked to the ground. Probably the most self-explanatory verse in this chapter. Those that are humble, he exalts. Those that are wicked, he brings down low. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God. When you acknowledge all of this greatness, what else could we do but sing? He covereth the heavens with clouds, who prepareth the rain for the earth, who maketh the grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth the beast to his foot and to the young ravens which cry. I mean, just speaking to his creation, speaking to how he brought about this miraculous world that we, we live in. And that none of these things just fell out wildly and just happened because they happened. They, I'll, I'll stop for a minute there. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of the man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in, them that, in those that hope in his mercy. I love that the psalmist stays with this creation theme, stays with this natural world theme, talking about how he has created everything and he knows everything. And then he says, you know, he doesn't take pleasure in the strong horse. Doesn't take pleasure in the guy that is, is working hard, but takes pleasure or is honored by them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. And I love that it's not in those that hope in his love. Well, certainly in his love, but hope in his mercy. If we hope in his mercy, we're acknowledging our place before him. If I'm hoping in his mercy, I'm recognizing that I need the mercy of God. It's because of his mercy, it's because of his grace that I can be a child. That I can be like that one that we read at the beginning in Jerusalem that's being gathered. Being At the end, we'll read it again. Being those that have been grafted into the vine. It's because of his mercy and his love that he's done that. And being able to, to, to recognize that and, and appreciate that and to, to note that sure we've got to work hard and sure there is honor in being the strong horse or the one with strength in your legs. But that the fear of the Lord and those that hope in his mercy are where he takes pleasure. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. For he hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. He's given security. He hath blessed the children which are within thee. Speaking about a future. He's, he maketh peace in the borders. Giving peace and security again and, and comfort. And filleth them with the finest of the wheat. That God is going to care for all of the needs. He's not just going to give this one and then hold back the others. He cares for every one of our needs. We also have to recognize he knows what our needs are better than we ourselves. And so they might look different than what we had planned out. Kind of goes to that whole 
part from the beginning where am I appreciating, am I honoring, am I cherishing the sovereignty of God over my life? And to know that even when those things don't look like I would have planned them, that they are still His blessing and His provision in every aspect for my life. He sendeth forth His commandment upon the earth. His word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hour frost or hoar frost. I, I should have checked that one. Like ashes. He casteth forth His ice like morsels. He can stand, who can stand before His cold? I, I, I had to almost chuckle when I read that the first time. I was listening this week, and I promise this is not a global warming part of the message, I I promise. But the anxiety that we can put ourselves into when we see things around us, and we see things that we don't understand, and um, it's too hot, it's too cold, I don't know how this technology is going to... The fact that God is sovereign over these things, too, That he sends forth his commandment upon the earth. Not saying we haven't, we haven't had some kind of influence, but if there's a forest fire, yes, something lit the fire. But God is still in control of that. There hasn't been a hurricane that we've had to put a name on yet this season. And I'm not, I'm not going to knock, that would be really super, or, uh, sacrilegious to knock on wood at the pulpit. There hasn't been one. That's God's divine influence or divine um, will as well. And yet we can try to put all kinds of rules and, and, and certainly there is science and, and God is in the science and I'm not smart enough to understand it. But when I can sit back at the end of the day or the beginning of the day and read his word to say, listen, he casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? His cold. I thought it's just natural. It just it, it happens that way. All of it is his control. All of it comes from his hand. He sendeth out his word and melteth them, and causeth his wind to blow and the waters to flow. I mean, even would we think of it differently? What pick the most beautiful place to you in the world? When I know this group, we're all probably thinking about some... When I think of the most beautiful place in the world, I know Aunt Debbie and I go basically the same spot. I think our Swiss brethren, they go same spot. But I don't refer to the sunset on Otisco as God's sunset. I don't I never refer to that at his, as his lake. When we talk about our garden, it's Ellie and Ashley's garden. They grew the vegetables. It's, it's Abby's garden. And we know, we know intuitively, we know at our, our core that it's God that brought this to us. But do I ever refer to it that way? I think in The Sound of Music, the Reverend Mother referred to it as God's mountain. That's, that's his mountain. That may be one example where I, I can recall it. 
But the scripture right here says his wind and his cold and melts his ice. And I'm sure there's probably a passage that talks about his hot and his fire and all of those things. But do I, do I acknowledge God's presence and power in my life that specifically? I don't. And maybe that's what struck me about this conversation with these little boys that one of them said something about church and then talking about being baptized and Jesus dying for and it was the first thing that came out of any of their mouths when something of faith was brought up was going right to Jesus. I was with that, like I said, a group of couples, young couples last night, not all of them young. And one comment was asked, um, so you're kind of like religious people, right? I had a window there that yes, yes, we're religious people. They knew we were religious people because we were late getting to a birthday party because we'd come from a church picnic. And one of them knew we're religious people because they know Tim and know that Tim it doesn't go do the things that all the rest of the people on their in their office or work floor do. And so the window that our, these little boys used a window that was way smaller than the window that I had and the platform that I had to give God the glory, to talk about what He's done in our lives. When they said, oh, your, your son's such a nice boy, we're glad that he's in class with our daughter. Well, thank God. And I checked a box and said, I gave God the glory. And it was an, it's an admonition to me that when things are good, I don't give him enough acknowledgement. I don't give God enough glory in my life when things are good. And when things are bad, I give him way too much responsibility. Not that necessarily he brought it about, but that he has some big work coming to fix it. One. Uh, just, I'm going to read you a quote. Speaking about the Queen, and this is not a. Um, I don't mean this to describe every aspect of Queen Elizabeth in every way or whatever. This is an example of a witness. I just want to give you one example of a witness. Someone asked, uh, was discussing with her um, the Lord's second coming, and she said, how I wish that the Lord would come in my lifetime. And I, I believe it was the chaplain or something, or whoever it was asked, well, Why? And she said, I should so love to lay my crown at his feet. I should so love to lay my crown at his feet. As we live in this world, how comfortable, how comfortable do we become? 
how comfortable is, is are all of the things that we've that we've um, been able to experience? How, how much do we enjoy our lives here below? When things are good, I enjoy it so much. I love it so so much. And a question I had to ask myself over the last however long is when I think about the Lord's second coming, when I think of the Lord's coming, his return, when, I, when am I most eagerly looking for that? Am I most eagerly looking for that when things are uncomfortable or, or frustrating or, or a problem? Or am I looking at it, am I looking forward to that when things are the best? And I think the obvious answer that you can gather from where I'm going or where I'm coming from is when things are bad, it's easy to say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Whenever there is some kind of trauma in my life, which there hasn't been trauma, when there's some kind of trauma in the world and we're seeing things going way off the rails, even so, come Lord Jesus. But you know when I'm sitting and watching my kids play and listening to them talk to their friends and that little conversation yesterday? Well, even so, come Lord Jesus, but right now it's okay. I, I feel blessed right now. You know, my, my desire for the Lord, my desire to be, re, to be united with Him in heaven, my desire for the fulfillment of His promises should be constant and universal and permanent. And certainly that is tenored with, or that is tempered with the desire for Him to wait a little longer to, to keep the door of grace open. Don't, I'm not disparaging to that point. Certainly I want that to be the case. But when we look at the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon us and poured out upon us, I pray that my response, that our response can be, even so come Lord Jesus, and not just, boy, I want a little more. It's probably natural in some way. It's probably natural to want to experience those blessings. But that response of laying I just so want to lay my crown at his feet. I pray that our lives can be lived that way, that the, that the experiences that the Lord allows to come into our, into our walk, that the mountaintops and the few valleys that go there as well can be that experience that we can take as, as the crown that we have been given to lay at his feet. And to recognize we, it's, not, it's not anything of our own anyways. It's not anything that we get to hold on to or, or to, to take with us. Or it, These blessings are here for a season. I, the last current event piece, not very current, I guess, but as I was listening to and, and reminiscing about the 9-11 piece, there's, many of you are probably familiar with this Tunnel to Tower Foundation. And just a couple weeks ago, I had heard a, a description as to how that, that actually came about. 
And you probably heard that it's, there was a fireman that when on 9-11 he went and grabbed his gear and, and ran through a tunnel and then went to the ground zero and, and perished when the, the tower fell. But the whole story that really kind of shook me was this was a young man that lost both his mom and his dad when he was young. Stephen Sillers, I think was his name. Raised by his older brothers and sisters. And when he heard what had happened and was trying to figure out, he's a firefighter in Brooklyn, was trying to figure out how to get to Manhattan, all of his siblings told him, don't go. There are already people there. There's no way to get there anyways. We've already lost, we've already suffered enough. But he grabbed 60 pounds of equipment and ran down to the Battery Brooklyn Tunnel and ran through the tunnel right into ground zero. With disregard for, for what had been built up here below. Disregard for feeling that he was entitled to have, because he'd suffered enough already that he was entitled to have some good times and entitled to experience some blessings, but rather said that he was here to serve. And so I pray that as we, as we look at these verses, and again, familiar as they may be and, and simple as they may sound, that we can look at our lives that way as the, as the, the product of immeasurable blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon us and the great responsibility that we have as well to give him the honor and glory for it and to live lives worthy of the sacrifice that he made for us. May the Lord bless these words.